as we go ahead and listen to the word today and i title this message press on to maturity press on i say press on because it is not by default that we grow towards maturity it takes efforts it takes diligence it takes labor to press on towards maturity and i would like to also ask you to press on till the end of the message because i think this will be a long message and you have to persevere with me and as we have the message before us today from the book of hebrews chapter 5 and as we go ahead i would like to remind ourselves that when children are born and every day uh, thousands and lakhs of children are born into this world and when children are born into this world delays in their growth is a matter of great concern to parents and i was studying about what are some delays that are a matter of great concern to parents and i've seen one is cognitive de- uh, delays that is growth in intellect and if they have any learning difficulties are they able to grasp well are they having any problem in learning because the concern is that there may be down syndrome is there any delay in that which can lead to that concern and also we see there is another concern of delay which is physical development delay which is also a matter of great concern to parents that the muscles should grow well the large muscles and the small muscles the healthy growth of the muscles is very important because there is a concern children may acquire cerebral palsy if there is no proper growth of muscles and also there is a concern of social emotional behavioral speech delays because the concern is that the child may have autism or adhd all these delays are a matter of great concern and 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 parents get so worried about if something happens to children like this because they expect not only the normal birth but also the healthy growth of the child and what i would like to tell you is that much more concern of this cognitive and physical and social speech and behavioral delays there is a much more concern that we need to think about in the churches today and that concern is very well expressed by ken hughes one of the faithful expositors of our time and there are some dangerous delays that people who claim to be born again are having in these days and we need to be very much concerned much more than these physical and intellectual delays these are very dangerous and much more concern is that this physical and intellectual delays of children are not in their control it is not in their hands but the delays that we see in the churches today who claim to be born again they are responsible for that and kent hughes makes a very important statement here that there is a massive tragedy few are aware of and with which fewer still concern themselves namely arrested spiritual growth perpetual infancy never becoming a big person spiritually set against eternity this is a tragedy of incalculable proportions 
Those who claim to be born again, those who claim to be believers, we see that there is a great tragedy, there is a great damage and danger that is happening to the churches. That there is no growth. People forever are living as babes. And also we don't see them becoming big people spiritually. And there is a great delay of their growth in this matter. And that concern is what we see in these words of the author of Hebrews. And we have seen that the readers of this letter were tempted to drift away from the Lord Jesus Christ because of their lack of maturity. They were not rooted in the word. They were not growing in their faith because of which they were tempted to drift away and their uh, spiritual maturity was weak in tackling these temptations that they were facing. And the author of Hebrews is writing to them words of comfort, words of uh, exhortation, words of correction, exalting the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly in this context, he wants to talk to them how Christ is supreme over Levitical priesthood. Now what I'm going to speak to you is sandwiched between these two passages. It is an interlude that we find in these two passages. And then the next time when we listen, we will be getting into that. And we read this and observe the two key words at the beginning and also at the end. And sandwiched is what we have the sermon today. Hebrews 5, 9 to 10. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of uh, Melchizedek. <coughs> and right after that, he started to speak about this. But at the end, we also see that what he says. He says here that uh, he wanted to speak about uh, Christ being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And Hebrews 6, 19 to 20, we see again the author mentioning here, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a foreigner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see at the beginning he speaks about Christ being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and even at the end he speaks about Christ being a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and in between, he gives these words of correction. You can see that the author was very upset with his readers. Previous sermon we heard, great words of comfort. Very encouraging. Praise God for that. But God also is concerned about the state of the spiritual level of the church. And he gives here solid correction to these believers. There are four sad states that we see expressed in this passage four sad states the first sad state that we see is that these people lacked understanding of great and deep there is a lack of understanding of great and deep doctrinal truths right and uh, as we get into this we see that the author was very much concerned about the responsible hearing of his people the responsible hearing we see the first warning in hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 how responsible they should be about what they were hearing we see here in 2 1 therefore 
we must pay much careful attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it we see that they were not paying careful attention maybe like many church members today who merely listen to the word without paying any attention and leave whatever they have listened once they cross this church hall that is how they may be and the author was very much concerned that, that the words that you have been hearing are not mere words these are very important words and you have to pay careful attention to that the second warning we hear about how they were hearing is in hebrews chapter 4 verse 7 it says here that today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts that's the second warning that we see pay attention do not harden your hearts be tender when you listen to the word of god and allow the word of god to work in you and believe in the words of life and the third warning that we see what we have been listening today is hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 after he spoke about the order of melchizedek and how christ is supreme he says here that about this we have much to say not little there is so much that i would love to talk to, that i would love to talk to you about how christ is supreme over the old testament levitical priesthood and most particularly in the order of melchizedek i want to talk to you but he says here that it is hard for me to explain to you and what's the reason for that since you have become dull of hearing because of your dull ears i'm not finding it easy to speak these words to you it's very difficult it's a great challenge if you look at the word dull interestingly we find this used only once in the entire new testament the word dull whenever a word is used only once in the entire new testament in greek it is called hapax legamonon and this is a word that is used only once which means lethargic lazy sluggish and in telugu if you see that it is says meeru vinitaku mandulainanduna mandulu lazy in your listening and the hindi word that is used here is jinka samajhna bhi kathin hai your ears have become hard in order for you to digest what i am going to speak to you when when the author is telling you are dull in hearing what is saying is that you are dull in paying attention to what i am saying and you are dull in understanding you don't get it you need to get what i speak to you and you are responsible for that when i think about this dullness in understanding my mind went to the similar words that the lord jesus used to his disciples i would like to just read mark chapter 8 verses 14 to 18 the lord jesus uh, was also very upset with his disciples because they need to be growing and understanding but they were not in the situation it says here that now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat and he cautioned them saying watch out beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the leaven of herod and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread and jesus aware of this said to his disciples why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread do you not yet perceive do you not yet understand 
Are your hearts ardent? Have your eyes do not see and having ears do you not hear? What happened to you guys? What's the matter with you? Jesus was very sad about that. You should be understanding when I say something and you don't get it. Because you're not sharp and quick in listening, understanding the word. And we see here that uh, uh, in Hebrews 11, when he says here that in 5.11, he says that about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain. Observe the phrase there that it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now here is something that we need to observe here. When the question that we need to ask here is, why was it hard for the author of Hebrews to explain to the listeners? Why? The scripture doesn't say that not because the subject was hard. Not because it was very, very difficult for people to grasp. That's not the reason he says that. He says that because people were dull hearers. They haven't been growing in their spiritual understanding. They haven't sharpened their intellectual and cognitive abilities. And you know one thing when the author of Hebrews is saying here that you have become dull of hearing because of this. You are not able to understand what I am about to talk to you. And I am really concerned about your spiritual lethargy, sluggish hearing, passive minds. That you have cultivated. Now in these words when the scripture is telling dull of hearing. You people are dull of hearing. We need to understand that the recipients were responsible for their dullness of hearing. Now hear carefully. It was not the natural position. It was their acquired condition. It is not that naturally they were dull in hearing. No, 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 no. If that is so. He wouldn't have spoken these words. It was something they have acquired. How? By neglecting to develop thinking, understanding of the word of God. The problem was not with low IQ. Intelligent question, low degree of intelligence. The problem was not with low IQ. It was with high LQ. High laziness quotient. And I see this is very much prevailing even here. And listen to this carefully as I began this message about the delays that we see in children for which they are not responsible. But the delays that he is talking about in this passage is that you believers are responsible for your condition. The reason where you are now is because of the choices you made and the negligence you have cultivated and the disciplines you have ignored. So much so that what I am going to say to you now you are not able to comprehend. You know one thing, brothers and sisters, that I want to tell you, because there were times even some of us preachers also struggle, when believers don't grow in their understanding of doctrinal truths, if they are passive listeners, and if they don't work hard to cultivate their spiritual understanding, when they remain in that passive, sluggish state of hearing the word, preachers have a hard time Speaking to them. It is hard for preachers to speak to believers who are dull in hearing. Because they haven't developed. 
They have neglected the discipline here. Because they think that it is the preacher's job who should be slogging through hours and hours and prepare sermons and stand there and preach. And I have to just sit like a wooden box and listen and just leave right after that. I love what Puritan Richard Baxter, a powerful writer and preacher he was in his time, and uh, he gave a solid advice here to the believers. Here is what he says, the Puritan Richard Baxter. Make it your work, believers. Be diligent to apply the word as you are hearing it. Don't be a passive listener. With diligence you hear and apply that. Cast not all upon the minister. Don't throw entirely on the preacher. As those that will go no further... Then they are carried by force. Don't think that just by listening you will be just swept away by the message. No, you need to work hard. As a preacher preaches hard, the listeners listen hard. Or else the devil is there next to you to lull you to sleep, to distract your mind from other things. And you need to be really aware that listening to the word of God is a spiritual warfare. Lest the devil sits on your head. And distracts your mind. Be careful of how you hear. And he says here that you have work to do as well as the preacher. And should all the time be as busy as he. You must open your mouths and digest it. For another cannot digest it for you. Understanding when he says open your mouth. Open your ears and understand. What the message is. When the word of God is being spoken. When the word of God comes to you. When you study the word of God. Open your ears and digest it. Nobody can do that for you. And you are responsible for the situation that you are in. You know, think this is a tragedy in the churches today? Think about yourself. What kind of a listener are you? The Holy Spirit who knows the hearts of everyone here. What will it testify about your state of hearing? The word of God. Will he say that this woman, this child, or this man is a diligent hearer? Or will he testify, dull hearer of the word of God? And that is why it says here that about this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing. Now hear this carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. Something that I would like to tell you. Profound. If these are the words he spoke to the first century believers whose literary, literary rate was not more than 3%. The literacy rate was not more than 3% in the first century. If these are the words he spoke, what should he be speaking to you and me today when there is a high rate of literacy and I become worse in listening than this first century believers? Think about it. I think that if the author of Hebrews was here, man, with the amount of education that you have, with the amount of literacy rate you have, with the amount of exposure to digital media and all the accumulation of the information that you have, how can you guys be so dull in your hearing? I think he must have been even more greatly upset. William Lane, the Bible scholar, he makes a statement here. Hear this carefully. Brothers and sisters, don't take it light, your dullness of hearing. It's a dangerous malady of your spiritual state. It's not a very simple thing. 
William Lane says that deafness or dullness in receptivity is a dangerous condition for those who have been called to radical obedience. If Christian life is a radical life, if Christian submission is a radical submission, if Christian faith is a radical faith, and if you are dull in hearing, you are in a dangerous position, giving room for the devil and to sin to reign your life. And the second thing that he expresses is sadness. After speaking about their lack of understanding of the great doctrinal truths, the second thing he says about that you even lack teaching and encouragement to others. Because of your dullness of hearing and lack of understanding, you are not in a position to invest your life in others. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says here that, For though by this time, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. What we need to understand here is that it says, For though by this time, what time? If I see the way that you have become Christians long back and the years you have been Christian, it seems that these have been long standing believers. These have been in Christian faith for some years. We don't know how many years. But it seems that they have been long-standing believers. And it says that despite you being Christians for so long, you should become teachers by now. But someone has to teach you the ABCDs of Christian faith. That's your level of understanding is what the author expresses here. Now, when I thought about it, two questions came to my mind which I would like to speak to you. You know what are the two questions? How long have you been a Christian and how long have you grown? How long have you been a Christian and how long have you been growing? There are people who boast about, you know, five years back I became a Christian. Or ten years back and fifteen years back and still they are infants, babes. They don't grow towards maturity. Charles Swindle a uh, very good writer of a time, he says that older doesn't mean necessarily wiser and more spiritual. You can be an old, immature person. Age should be an indicator of spiritual maturity, but in too many cases, people fail to grow up as they grow older. And you are growing. All of us are growing. Some are somewhere in tens and now you are in twenties tomorrow you will be in thirties and then in forties or fifties or sixties if you don't work on your dull hearing if you don't work on your intellectual understanding of the word of God you will be forever a babe not getting when God speaks and also you will not be in a position to invest your life in others you know I remember in line with what Charles Swindoll said, someone also said that maturity doesn't always go along with age. Sometimes age goes alone. <laughs> they only grow, but there is no maturity. And it's very hard. You find people, you know, you talk, think about, you know, the, the people who are in 30s and 40s and 50s. Do you enjoy their conversations? Do you find weightiness in their conversations? Do you find depth in their talk? Very few. Very few. Why? Because they didn't grow. They haven't been mature. 
And that is why it says here that you need to work on your dull hearing. You need to understand, brothers and sisters, there is a price to pay for maturity. It doesn't descend upon you automatically as you grow older. That is one reason I don't like my birthdays because it reminds me, man, you are becoming older. How long have you grown? And it, it is one of the most depressing days of my life. I think about I wasted my life. I wasted my days. I wasted my time. Oh Lord, when will I be happy that I was born in this world? I have no idea. May the day come that I would be very glad that I was born into this world. Because there is so much that I have wasted for which I regret in my life. And he says here that though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to understand here that the author is not speaking about you becoming formal gifted teachers. That's not what he says. Because the gift of teaching is not given to every person. But what he says here is that you should be in a general position of mutual encouragement and teaching. Which I don't see you doing that. There, is, there are some verses actually that really confirm what the author is speaking about here. He says that what he's saying here is that you... The way that you have been a Christian, you should be in a position to invest your life in others. But sadly, you are not in that. Someone has to still invest, invest, invest in you. Constantly you are intaking without ever investing your life in others. That's the state of the many people today in the churches. Think about yourself. Are you in a position to invest in others? Are you in a position to raise others towards spiritual maturity as you are growing in the Lord? Very, very, very few people that we see today who are growing towards spiritual maturity. And that general kind of teaching we also see reflected in other parts of the scripture, which is the thought that we see is uh, expressed here. We see that in Romans 15, 14, how Paul expresses confidence in the way that Roman believers, these are not pastors, brothers and sisters, please understand, these are not pastors. These are believers, ordinary believers. But you see what Paul says here. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I am confident that you are able to invest your life in each other, able to build each other, able to encourage one another and instruct one another. Do we see that happening in our time? Colossians 3.16. It seems that these believers were far better than the believers that we find in Hebrews. And they were very much active in teaching and encouraging one another. But Paul says that, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So what do we see here is that as these people were teaching and admonishing one another, Paul says that be filled with the word of God. And right in the book itself, Hebrews 3.13 says about this general encouragement of one another. But exhort one another every day. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. Instruct one another. Build each other. That's a state that you should be considering your Christian experience. But sadly, you have been Christians for so long but you are in a position of infanthood and there is no growth towards maturity. Brothers and sisters, think about yourself. Where are you in your level of faith? 
and understanding and investing of God's word in people's lives. You know, I remember there were times that uh, when I was reading some, uh, you know, testimonies. And the testimonies were, when I was a small Christian, they were telling about, I spent time with this person and I came out as a very different person. So much of wisdom, understanding, encouragement that I found in this man. And uh, I was nourished by spending time with these people. Are our Christian fellowships like that? When we spend time together, our hearts are so nourished, challenged to grow towards the Lord. Or is it like just meaningless chattings and uh, no edifying conversations? Listen to this, what I'm saying now. If you don't make efforts to grow towards spiritual maturity, you cannot invest your life in others and waste your life. If you don't grow, you cannot help others to grow. You need someone actually to help you grow. You waste your life, that one and the only life that you have. You're not a tree, you're not a pig, you're not an ant, you're not the dust particle in this universe. You are created in the image of God and you have one life. Short time. What are you doing with it? Squandering, wasting, or growing and being a blessing to others. The third expression of sadness that we see in this book is lack of growth beyond elementary teachings. Lack of growth beyond elementary teachings. Hebrews 5, we see in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. What he says here is that you are still in that babe situation, drinking milk, elementary teachings, basic things. And if you, and someone goes beyond it and teaches, you say, oh, I'm not understanding this. I'm not getting any of these things. Oh, it is very hard. It will be hard. It will definitely be hard if you don't work on your ears and don't grow in understanding the word. And he says here that the basic principles, what are the basic principles? The Greek word again, it is used here is toikia, which means, interestingly, it refers to the basic alphabets of a language. In other words, what he's telling over here is, you are still in the starting point, you are going nowhere. You are still in that ABCD and not going anywhere beyond it. And if you look at my son's uh, uh, you know, syllabus, and if you see that is in first year engineering or first year intermediate, and if I look at it, and I see A, B, C, D, Mume, B, D. When you look at that, you will be surprised. Hey man, you are not in kindergarten. <laughs> you are in engineering and still learning A, B, C, D. Oh, when it comes to physical things, we are so aware of how our children and how we need to grow our standards. When it, when it comes to a spiritual level, still A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, basic learnings and not going beyond it. The commentator Philip Hughes, this is how he describes the word basic principles that they were in. He says that their spiritual comprehension corresponds to their shame to that of the children in the kindergarten. That is how their level of understanding is to their kindergarten children who unable to read or write have to start at the very beginning by learning their ABCs. And I think brothers and sisters and I say this with love 
and care and concern. I think many of you, as a shepherd, I know that you should be concerned about the kindergarten Christian that you are still here, even after being in this church and in your faith for some time. And you are responsible for that because you're not working hard to grow towards maturity. And the basic principles also is similar to the elementary doctrines that we see in chapter 6, verse 1 and 3. We see here that uh, the other words that he uses, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Basic principles, let us leave and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So when, when, when author is saying here, yeah, let us leave the elementary doctrine of uh, uh, faith in Christ. What is, is not undermining the basic principles and the elementary teachings. He is not undermining. What he's telling is rise from there. In fact, if you see here that the six factors that he mentioned here, he mentions in three categories. The first thing he says, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. We know that very well that he's talking about we are not justified by works, but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking about conversion. And right after conversion, what happens? Instruction about washings and the laying on of hands. Now, this plural washings has become a great confusion to many people. What could it be? Because if there is baptism, it is only one. Probably they were Jews, so they might have had some ritual cleansings at the same time. We have no idea about it. And then when it speaks about the laying on of hands, maybe it's speaking about conferring of the spiritual gifts, which was very common in the early church, laying on of hands and conferring spiritual gifts to new believers. So what this speaks about is the conversion and the initial time of the conversion. And then he speaks about the last things. He says that, he says that even these are basic principles. Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So what we see here is that, we see that they were very much concerned about conversion and about the last things. So you see that this is where a lot of people also today are concerned about. Believe in Christ, take baptism, Jesus is coming soon, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going into eternal life. And that's the hope that we have. And what do we do in the interim? Spend time with mobile. <laughs> Spend time with people chit-chatting. Spend time doing other things. Don't work towards maturity. Why? You are saved. You are going to heaven. There is nothing for you to do now. Just go to the church. Listen to sermons. Forget about it. Right after you listen, go and just live a normal life. Waiting for the Lord Jesus to come so that he can take you up to heaven. Until then, waste your life. That is what is happening today, my dear brothers and sisters. They think that conversion is important. Eternity is important. Spiritual maturity is not my concern. And that is what he says that go beyond these basic principles of conversion and initial things about you becoming a Christian and you waiting for heaven which is good. Now here matters. I remember actually when we all read how people change by Paul David Tripp. He says that the biggest problem with Christians today is that they believe what Christ has done in the past. They believe what he's going to do in the future but they don't connect him to how they live at the present. Because of which people don't change and mature. Which is a very sad thing. The fourth concern that he expresses here 
is lack of solid theological and moral discernment. He says in verse 12, 512, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So he speaks about two kinds of people, the child and the adult. And he speaks about two kinds of substances, the milk and the solid food. And how do you measure the growth of a child? How do you measure the growth of a child normally? It's very clear here that they grow from drinking milk to eating solid food. If you come to my house and if I still suck milk, you would be wondering, Stephen, you are 46 years old. You can drink milk and boost, which is okay. But if that is your staple diet, you will be wondering, are you a child or are you growing? And if you come to my house and you see that my library is all kindergarten books. A, B, C, D, rhyming and drawing and all. What ma what's the matter with Stephen David? What's happening with him? Because children grow from learning basics to deeper subjects. That is how we measure the growth of the children. The same thing that the author is concerned about here. That you are still drinking milk. And you are still learning basic things. And you are not going towards solid food and spiritual maturity. The same kind of Sadness is expressed by Paul even in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. You see what he says to the Corinthian church. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people or mature people. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. He's not telling infants in the devil. He says in Christ, you are in Christ. But he's still babes and ever growing. How long will you live like this? I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. Do you see that? It is your problem that you are not getting the solid food. You are not ready. Still babes. And even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. Again Paul talks about himself in 1 Corinthians 13.11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... I gave up childish ways. I was listening to Paul Washer one day. It just came into my mind. And he said that I go to some places. And I see 18 years old living like people of 40s. And I come here and I see people of 40s living like 18 years old. That is the state of immaturity in the men today, he gave solid word of rebuke to the men when he was speaking to them. No growth, no growth towards maturity. I remember Ray Steadman sharing about uh, a principal who had a post in his, uh, he, principal of a high school, he had a post of uh, an administrator. And then he was thinking whom to put, it, put, it, put in that uh, administrative post. And then he picked a teacher who was having an experience of 10 years and he installed that person in that position. And then he announced to all people. And after he made an announcement, another teacher got very upset. She was very upset with his announcement. And she came to him and said that with all upsetness in her heart, she said that this guy is having experience for 10 years and I am a person of having 25 years of experience and you bypassed me and you selected him and you posted him in this. 
How is it? This is unfair. And the principal looked at her and said that you are wrong. You do not have 25 years of experience. You have one year of experience 25 times. <laughs> you have one year of experience 25 times. What does it mean? You haven't grown. No growth, no maturity. How do you measure the growth of a believer here? He says that the growth of a believer is that he will not get stuck in milk, which is basic principles, elementary doctrine of Christ. Don't preach anything beyond it because we don't get it. Don't give any book to read beyond it because we don't get it. Don't send us anywhere we have to go beyond it because we are not used to it. We are happy in this milky state of infancy. Please treat us like puppets or like puppies or like babies and we are very happy in that how many of you are very happy in this infanthood spiritual infanthood be careful of that that is not God's will for you and such people the Bible says they are unskilled in the word of righteousness what does it mean unskilled in the word of righteousness they don't have solid doctrinal understanding and moral discernment they don't have solid doctrinal understanding and moral discernment. And he says here that mature people are the people who eat solid food and those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now what is this solid food? He says about this solid food are the people who train the powers of discernment. Do you understand the meaning of discernment? That means... An extreme knack and insight into finding what is right and what is wrong. Because there are a lot of gullible people who hear anything and say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Who believe anything and say, Wow, this is wonderful. Who do anything and say that this is good. No moral discernment. That's a tragedy of the churches even today. And that is what he says that Train your powers of discernment. How? By constantly listening, studying and putting it into practice. Not merely listening. Now here is a point that we need to understand in these few words that the author has put over here. That solid doctrinal understanding leads to moral discernment. Practical righteousness. There are people who build swollen ears and big, big heads. But they have no moral discernment. That is not what the Bible speaks about. Now here is a caution that I would like to give you. Sound doctrine without devotion to practical righteousness makes you a clever devil. Sound doctrine without practical righteousness makes you a clever devil. And there are very clever demons in the churches today. Who have doctrinal understanding but no moral righteousness. Another question here. Devotion to practical righteousness. Be practical, brother. Be practical. Don't be doctrinal. But here is a caution. Devotion to practical righteousness without soundness in doctrine makes you a gullible child. What is a gullible? Anyone gives a chocolate? The child is kidnapped. Gullible child. No sense of discernment. No sense of understanding. Immature. And that is how you will be if you only think about being practical and no need of doctrine. Right? So I have a few minutes and based on what we have learned 
I want to throw off some very important applications based on what we have read, right? And uh, before we go ahead, I want to tell you something. And, uh, and this is what J.P. Moreland, one of the books that really challenged my intellectual cognitive thinking is J.P. Moreland's Love the Lord with All Your Mind. That is one of the few books that I have read, almost. And it was such a great blessing to my soul of mind. And this is what he says. Hear this carefully. How many of you think about, when you think about Christ-likeness today, people think about becoming a Karnamaidu. That is what they think is Christ-likeness. Amalara, Ayalara. That is what is Christ-likeness. Please remove that Dayamaidu, Karnamaidu from your mind. Christ is not like that. If you look at the Gospels, he is a tiger. He is a lion. He is a lamb. But people with having difficulty to reason with him. We need to be very careful about what we think about Christ likes us. And J.P. Moreland, he says you that the role of intellectual development is primary in evangelical Christianity. You know, when I was reading this book, I realized that there's Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, Christian Science, all these cults were born when church became very anti-intellectual. And these false teachings came out and grabbed all these people. And he says that the role of intellectual development is primary to evangelical Christianity. If we have to have Christ formed in us, we must realize the work of God in our minds and pay attention to what a Christ-like mind might look like. As our Savior has said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You see that? You have to love God with all your mind. And how do you love God with all your mind? By growing in intellectual understanding. You express your love for God. Lord, I am hungry to know you. And this is how I am growing. And then he says here, to do this, we cannot neglect the soulful development of a Christian mind. You cannot become like Christ if you don't develop your mind. That is what he said. If you want to believe it, just see what I'm going to talk to you now. Luke 8, 46 to 47. When Christ was just 12 years old, observe this, he was a bacha. A kid, 12 years old. Where do you find the 12 year old today? He'll be with the mobile phone playing video games. But you see what Christ was doing here. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers. What was he doing? Listening to them. Asking them questions and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Oh, you might be saying, oh, he's God. That's a good excuse for us. See? Was he born as an omniscient mind? Please look in the same chapter, Luke 252. Luke 252. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Brothers and sisters, yes, God was, Jesus was divine. But when he was learning, he learned as a human. He was not born with an omniscient mind, knowing everything and he doesn't need to learn. That's what now the Bible says. His divinity was the backdrop, but the driving force was how he lived as a human. Just like you and me should study and learn, that's how he learned. He grew in wisdom and it was intentional. If you don't grow, you won't grow in wisdom. And that is why we see also in John chapter 7 verse 15 about the middle of the feast Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled saying how is it that this man has learning 
when he never studied. Now, please be careful. People think that he never studied means he never read or did anything, just sat like a Buddha under a tree and he got all the enlightenment. That's not what it means. In Greek, when it says never studied means like the rabbis and the scribes of the day, he did not go to any formal school. Formal school. And you don't need to go to a formal school in order to become a scholar. If you have the discipline of study and learning, you can grow anywhere. And that's how Christ disciplined himself. And he was so filled with the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding that Mark 12, 34 says that. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You talk to the Christians today, you will find 101 faults. Because dumb people. That is what the secular people say then. It's not me. Secular people say Christians today are dumb. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to converse logically because they are emotional brats. Just emotional, bubbling, 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 bubbling. And that is what they want all the days of their lives. Just emotional bubbling. Shame on Christians who look at Christ and see that he was such a smart, filled with understanding that people could not even find fault in how he spoke. Because he was filled with wisdom, understanding. And today's Christians want to become like Christ but never in the mind. Only in the emotions. And some want to become like Christ only in signs and wonders. Want to raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind. Stop it. No way. Christ said that go and do all these things. But he said that imitate me and become like me even in the mind. And because of that influence upon the disciples of Christ, we see that in Acts 4.13 that and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. that They recognized they had been with Jesus. They had this training with Jesus. Do you see unbelievers astonished when Christians speak today? <laughs> what are these guys speaking? Forget about unbelievers. Do Christians feel amazed at one another when they speak? That is a state of Christianity, anti-intellectualism. But you see people here, when they spoke, people were astonished. And you see Acts 6, and this speaks about Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They couldn't stand against the wisdom today. People think that Holy Spirit means just jumping, bubbling and all. And people will just follow. He was with the Holy Spirit. It says that. Filled with the wisdom and the Spirit cannot be there in a person without giving the wisdom of God. That is not the Holy Spirit where there is only emotions and no, no wisdom. We see here that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom and they couldn't stand the way he spoke. Wow. I want to finish with this man. I cannot finish without this man, Paul. And you see Acts 17, 2-3. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on those Sabbath days, he reasoned with them. See, reason from the scriptures, explaining, proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead and saying that this is Christ that I was proclaiming to you. This is how biblical men were people. And look at the state of the Christians today. There is no growth in understanding. You know why? You know, I have, I've been a Christian for more than 25 years. And these are what I have seen. Why they ignore biblical reasoning, wisdom, understanding, insight. And, uh, and, and I feel sad about it. You know, some of the misunderstanding is that today we see that belief, today faith 
is devoid. Devoid means empty. Okay, this word you will hearing, you will be hearing throughout my rest of the few minutes. Belief is devoid of biblical reasoning. You know, I remember once upon a time someone said that what doesn't make sense in the mind cannot be believed in the heart. First, it should make sense in the mind. But today's faith is something that is devoid of biblical reason. Just belief. Just belief. You don't need any reasons for that. You don't need any logic. You don't need any, you know, explanation, any evidence. No need. Just believe. No need to reason what you believe. If you are sincere in what you believe, that's enough. I remember reasoning with Mormons. If you reason with Mormons, you don't know that. But if you reason with Mormons, the only thing is, believe, brother. Don't reason. Reasoning is not good. You believe, you will see the work of the Lord. That is how many Christians have become today also. Just believe. Devoid of biblical reason. Second, passion. Today is devoid of biblical reasoning. Passion. If anyone is passion, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We look at it and say, wow, this man is a, this woman is a great passionate person. But it is devoid of biblical reasoning. There is no knowledge, understanding, wisdom in that. What is that passion? Where there is no biblical reasoning. And the third that I have also seen is that dependence on the Holy Spirit is devoid of biblical reasoning. I depend on the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I speak. And just words come out and comes out what? Only foolishness. <laughs> In the name of the Holy Spirit, live a lazy, foolish life. That is a very shameful thing. See that when Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, people could not stand at his speech. Fourth one, emotional listening to the oratory of preachers is devoid of biblical reasoning. I was listening recently a message by a preacher and all the crowd was going emotional. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! And just because of the oratory, there is no right Bible interpretation in what he said. My goodness, what is this fellow saying? That is absolutely wrong. But congregation, because they have no mind, that is how today's Christianity is function as if you have no mind. What matters is heart. <laughs> Listen to the heart, not to the mind. When mind is a part of the heart, according to the Bible, emotional listening to the oratory of preachers today, people are deceived by that. And the other thing that we also see is that passive listening to the preachers. Just sit. As if the words are going somewhere out of beyond them. And this is, it doesn't make any sense. Just passive. Thank you, brother. Go. Passive listening. Like a dead man. That is another problem. Harry Blamire says that. He wrote a book, The Christian Mind. He says that the mental, you see, I love the statement. He says the mental secularization of Christian means that nowadays we meet only as worship beings, moral beings, not as thinking beings. <laughs> we leave our mind when we come together. All that matters is emotions. Emotions are very good. But emotions are there to follow the mind, not leave the mind. The sixth is that I have seen, brother, we should be very simple, you see. Simple and plain. Those are sufficient. Don't get into complicated, deeper things. And they think that plain and simple things are sufficient, avoiding deeper and hard truths of biblical reasoning. For them only, these words have been spoken. You guys, I wanted to speak deep things, and you say plain and simple things, and you don't get. When I want to speak to you about the order of Melchizedek, A.W. Tozer, you know, this guy, A.W. Tozer was a sixth class dropout. 
Sixth class. Forget about matriculation. Sixth class dropout. One of the genius writers of the past century. He said that complacency is a deadly enemy of all spiritual growths. What is complacency? Happy. Settling. No passion. No work. No hard working. No striving. Kao, kujao, pati, pujao. Okay, those who don't know Hindi, kawa means eating, kujao means scratching, and bhatti bhujao means sleeping. That is how a lot of Christians live. Seven, personal felt needs are a priority over biblical reasoning. Personal needs. My needs are matter or not? That's what all matters. I don't care about doctrine, reasoning, and uh, deep spiritual. Nothing, brother. I want finance, money every month. My salary should be given and I, I should have a job promotion. I should have bread, money to pay the school fees. My personal felt needs are met. I'm happy about it. Praise God. God is good. Nothing is impossible with him. Hallelujah. And these people never grow towards maturity. And finally, character is devoid of biblical reasoning. Oh, have a good character. I don't believe having a good character without a re proper reasoning. But there are a lot of people think that character what matters, brother. And those characters, you will find gullible mind in them. Easy to be deceived and misled. And that is a very dangerous thing that I want to say that we need to avoid it. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that. If you don't grow towards maturity, you will not become a solid, mature Christian that the Bible speaks about. Here is what I'm saying. If you don't grow towards maturity and remain shallow, you won't develop a solid doctrinal mind and deep moral discernment. Second, if you don't grow towards maturity and remain shallow, remember that you may become a victim of false teachings. Very easy for people to entrap you. And there are many, many false teachers today. As Puritan Cotton Mather said, ignorance is a mother not of devotion but of heresy. Okay, when you are ignorant, good opportunity for people to grab you. And third, if you don't grow towards maturity and remain shallow, you won't be able to invest your life in others. You won't. If you don't grow towards maturity and remain shallow, you may have a shaky faith in afflictions. When trouble comes and then you will see how weak your faith is. It's a dangerous siren. And we need to take it very seriously. And I want to again... Uh, say what J.P. Moreland said as I come to my last page. If we are going to be wise, spiritual people prepared to meet the crisis of our age, we must be a studying, learning community that values the life of the mind. We need local churches dedicated to the task of training believers to think theologically and biblically. These are the churches we need. These are the churches we need to plan that trains believers not just to give attendance on Sundays and just leave, but how to think theologically and biblically. And as I come to the close quickly, I want to just read it and not explain much, but make a note of how you can develop sound hearing, sound mind, and not be a dull person. The first thing is keep praying for God's wisdom and understanding. Keep praying. And every day, this is my prayer. Lord, give me wisdom, understanding, knowledge, insight, discernment. I don't want to be a fool. Keep praying every day for God's wisdom. Second, 
Study great biblical doctrines. Not about just good morning Holy Spirit and anointing. Okay? Study great biblical doctrines. Learn bibliology, theology proper, Christology, pneumatology, soteriology, ecclesiology. Why? Because that is what Bible speaks. This is not philosophies. Bible speaks and scholars have put into order. Third, study Bible interpretation. How to read, interpret, observe and apply the Bible. Not merely read. Understand what you read. I wonder how people read the Bible today because they have no questions. Well, I read every day and question and question and question and do research. Learn Bible interpretation. Fourth, and this is not very exciting. Study mental sweating books. Not emotionally exciting only. You understand mental sweating? Lead Rav the Lord with all your mind by J.P. Moreland and uh, the Christian mind by Harry Blamires. Read. And that is how I have learned people. That is how I have learned by reading and I have seen significant growth in my life along with inspirational books. Inspirational books are very good but mental sweating books are also good. Read hard books. Persevere in understanding and you usually understand them later. It is hard at the beginning but as you keep reading hard books you understand it very well. Read. You know, something that I tell you here, cut short your time with entertainment, social media, and uh, vain conversations. Please cut off. Too much of that, wasting your life, and spend time thinking, praying, something that is very eternally valuable. Fifth, actively engage in listening to expositional preaching. Actively listen, take notes, pay attention, ask questions which is really, which would really help you to go deeper. Sixth, if you don't understand the doctrinal truths, learn. Are you hearing this? If you don't understand, learn. Don't say I'm not understanding. If you don't understand, learn. You can learn. You are made in the image of God. God has given you the mind. You can learn. Learn and work hard to understand. Don't keep saying I don't understand, I don't get it, I don't understand. Not good. Learn if you don't get it. Seventh, cultivate the habit of asking questions and probing deeper. Don't be like an ox that knots your head for everything. Ask questions. What is the meaning of it? How can you say this? What is the biblical evidence of it? Ask questions. Go deeper. Understand what and why of the issues. Not simply claiming them. Eight, cultivate the habit of engaging in meaningful conversations. Discussions, when brothers and sisters get together, what do you think about this? I'm studying on this, it was so encouraging. I want to share with you, what have you been learning? Having meaningful, intellectually, spiritually stimulating conversations. Engage in them. And ninth, grab church training. When church offers any kind of courses, Bible studies, courses, seminars, grab it people. Grab it, educate yourself. And that is what we are lacking. And finally, finally, be devoted to humility and holiness. I keep telling to my interns, we need to be highly intelligent and deeply humble. Because if you don't have humility and holiness in everything, we will become clever demons and devil, but not Christ-like. So above all, we need to pursue humility and holiness in everything that we do. I would like you to think about it and examine yourself where you are in the way that you understand and challenge yourself, Lord, I don't want to waste my life anymore. 
I want to grow in my love for you with all my mind. And I want to get deeper into the doctrinal truths. And I want to cultivate this moral discernment and become a solid, growing, spiritually mature person who not only understands, but also invests my life in others. Shall we all rise up and pray together? Let us all rise up and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that speaks to our hearts, stimulates our minds, convicts our sins, leads us in the ways that we have to walk. And today, you are once again reminding us, pay attention to what you have heard. Lest you will drift out again to your same old lifestyle. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not be dull of hearing. Grow. There is a price to pay for maturity. And that is labor by the grace and the mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, please to make us laborers of your word, O Lord. Make us inquisitors of your word. Make us spiritually mature of your word. For we are living in last days and in terrible times where thousands and lakhs and crores and millions of people are drifting away from sound doctrine, embracing lies and philosophies and heresies and they think they are Christians and growing in truth when that is far from the truth. Lord, we pray that you give us your grace not to be mentally lethargic, not to be cognitively sluggish, but be thinking beings and reason and read and ask questions and go deeper in your word, all with the pursuit of humility and holiness in our lives. Lord, you please to help us not to waste our time with mobile phones where we spend so much of time, O oh Lord, chit-chatting, vain conversations, netizens always on internet, Lord, help us to be students of your word. Students who get deeper into your word. Intake it and invest in others. And understand what you have for us from Genesis to Revelation. What all you have for us, the whole counsel of God. May we treasure it and become like Christ, O oh Lord. Both in his obedience and also in his intellect. O oh Lord, what a courageous lion he was. When we think about it, what solid wisdom we find in what he spoke. That people couldn't reason with him. Find fault in his conversations. Find fault in the way that he lived his life. And that is what we want, O oh Lord. That holiness and humility and intelligence and understanding and maturity. Make us Christ-like. Humble us, O oh Lord. And be glorified. Once again, we pray all together. Have mercy on us and deliver us from laziness. Laziness which is prevailing a curse upon Christianity. Save us, O Lord, from this laziness and make us laborious in the Holy Spirit. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog 
www.messageforourage.blogspot.com i repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstevendavid@gmail.com i repeat c s t e p h e n d a v i d at g m a i l dot c o m grace and peace be to you